back to another episode of That's Business. Today's guest, Melise Hill, is a tattoo artist based out of Detroit, Michigan. Her work focuses on an illustrative style with a painterly application. Much of her portfolio features nature-inspired imagery done in a muted palette. Melise began her artistic career in her home country of Canada studying fine arts in college, then beginning an apprenticeship as a tattoo artist. In 2015, she moved to Michigan and worked at Ironclad Tattoo, until opening her own private studio near downtown Detroit in early 2022. Melise, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm so pumped to have you on. A little backstory, if you listened to Brandy a few weeks ago, Brandy connected us and I feel like I followed you on Instagram for as long as you've been doing this. So thank you. Yeah, Brandy's awesome. She's hilarious. <laughs> she is. It's, she's one of those people we grew up together, but one of those people that's like, you know, you could not talk to for 10 years and it's like old friends again. So, yeah, I love it. But starting off before we dive into the cool ass podcast episode that this is going to be about you, what did you want to be when you grew up or what was it like growing up in Canada? Growing up in Canada, was it? I mean, it's it's really not that different from being here. It's pretty similar, but I did grow up in a small town, so that's different from living in Detroit. So it was like a ton of time spent outside. Then I went to like a really small school. As far as what I did I want to be, when I was young, I wanted to be like an author, illustrator, and a fashion designer, a graphic designer. Nothing was ever like too serious, but I knew I wanted to go in the artistic direction, at least somehow. I love that. Now walk us through like teenage years and how old were you when you ultimately decided tattoos are out to go? That was definitely later. I mean, I always drew. So it was something that people had suggested to me, like, or you can draw, you should tattoo. But when I was in high school, it was very different. Like that was uh, 2002 to 2006. So tattoos were a lot different than they are now. You would go into a shop and you would bring a designer, you pick something out of a book um, and it wasn't custom like it is now. But I think it makes sense that I ended up doing this because like as a teenager, I like I kind of wanted to be this like rebellious kid. Love it. I really wasn't, but I just, you know, <laughs> wanted to. Um, so I think that the fact that I ended up doing something a little bit like alternative makes sense. Um, but it wasn't until after college that I really considered it as a career. Amazing. So went to college then. what did you get your degree in and when was that kind of transition or did you get into this apprenticeship right after college? No. Um, so I went to college 2007 to 2010 and I studied fine arts there, which was awesome. I loved it. But like most art schools, you come out with nothing. So I thought, well, I'll be a professional artist. And then figured out that's extremely difficult. I didn't have the motivation or willpower time to do that. So I ended up a year later going back to school. I did a year of post-grad um, in special effects makeup which sounds really cool, but I actually hated it. It wasn't like the school Brandy went to where it was totally focused on special effects makeup. This one was props and prosthetics as well. So with that, there's molding and capturing, there's math involved. And that's, I had zero interest in that. So um, I was definitely just like wanting to finish it and never think about it again. But while I was up there, that was near Toronto as well. And one of my friends was seeing a tattoo artist. And so we'd hang out with him and I would see that he did traditional tattoos and I would see that he was able to do only his style. People would come to him for his work specifically and he was able to make like a living out of it. And I thought that was really cool. And that was kind of the first time that tattooing was like really put on my radar as a possibility for a career. Because I'm always one to like, if I'm not interested in doing it, I'm just not going to do it. So with tattooing, I didn't want to draw stuff I didn't want to draw. But then I was presented with the idea that like, no, you can actually 
do exactly what you're interested in art-wise and people come to you for it. So then that was appealing. And so that's kind of what put me in that direction. Um, so I had moved back home in April and May of that year after school was done. And then I got my apprenticeship in November. So it all kind of just like landed into place as it needed to. So I got really lucky with that because it can take a lot of time for other people to find one. That's awesome. Now, and I honestly don't even think I know the answer to this question, but how long is the apprenticeship or how rigorous is it? Like, give us an inside look of what does it mean to be an apprentice for a tattoo shop? It can totally vary. It really depends on the person teaching you and how they want to frame it. So before I got my apprenticeship, I tattooed out of my basement, which isn't usually like the first thing I say, but it's not a secret either. So um, Love it. I did that for a couple of months. So I was like, okay, I want to do this. I like it. Let's do it the right way. So I got my apprenticeship and he, my mentor knew that I had done that. And he's like, well, you've already been tattooing. You might as well just keep doing it. So I didn't have much of a period of like having to go in every day and clean and watch him and like learn how a shop works. I kind of did that all at the same time that I was just tattooing. So he was like, a, he was a really good teacher. He was a good guy. The shop was clean, had a good reputation, but it was very quick. I think what I hear about now, people doing apprenticeships, like it's a lot more structured, like a curriculum, like you have certain levels you got to go through. And that can take anywhere from like six months to two years. Um, when I left that shop, I was technically still an apprentice after two and a half years. He gave me that title, but I wasn't really an apprentice because I would go in and do the work and sometimes he'd be there, sometimes he wouldn't be. But yeah, so it, it totally varies. I think mine was, uh, I was kind of just like thrown into the wolves a little bit, but it worked out. I mean, I, I'm happy with it. <laughs> it's so crazy because tattoos are just some of the wildest, most interesting. And every time my boyfriend and I go, I'm just like, just watching a tattoo artist and just the delicacy you have to have. And I will arguably say, I think it's harder than any other form of art, but it is. It really is. <laughs> I mean, just like, I just don't understand the shading and everything. And I know that's a whole other podcast, but back to you. So you're done with your apprenticeship. Is it more like you're able to be on your own and take clients or how is that transition happen? Uh, usually you kind of have like an official, you've graduated now you basically work for yourself. Like you're not obligated to do anything under my apprenticeship sort of thing. But the way, because mine was so lax, I was already booking my own clients and I was like making an hourly rate. So my transition wasn't to, there really wasn't one. Um, when I left there, I that's when I moved to Michigan. So I just went from being an apprentice to being an artist at, at a different shop. Now, what made you decide to move to Michigan and what was, the, I know you said like it's not that different lifestyle wise, but how was that transition to quite literally move to another country and decide to take on this new opportunity? At the time, I loved Detroit. Like I came over here as much as I could and hung out. So I had met a bunch of people that lived here and I would come and hang out with them. So I had a bit of a clientele already started. So that was good. That kind of like got me on track. But as far as tattooing goes, it was totally different. I was in a small town. Like I had to fight with people tattooing in their kitchens for like prices and convincing people that I'm the better person to go to because I'm a, more of a professional. And well, I didn't really convince people, but like it was a struggle. Like my biggest competition was someone who like doesn't really take it that seriously, you know? Um, and that was just the standard where I was from. And then I come over here and not only am I like suddenly busy because I'm at a shop that has a really good reputation. There's always people walking in. But also people generally just understood more how tattooing had become in the sense of uh, 
you choose an artist based on their style and they understand that. It, that was just very different. And so I felt like I learned so much in that first year of being at Ironclad, even compared to my two-year apprenticeship, just because I was so much busier doing what I wanted to do. And I was around artists that were a little bit more, uh, like their style was a little bit more similar to what I wanted to do. Now, 2022, you launch, you're solo now. So build us up into how did you get to that point? And you're like, lack of better term, screw it. I'm going to go do my own thing. Um, I don't know, really, because I people <laughs> would always ask me, like, are you going to go out on your own? And I was like, honestly, no, I don't want to take on the responsibility of having my own place. I really don't want to do that. And then I think a lot of it had to do with I found out I was pregnant in late of 21. And my commute there was like either 12 minutes or like 45 because going on the freeway, there's like always construction. And so I was like super over that. I wanted to be closer to home and I wanted to be like totally in my control of my schedule which they were really good with that. But, you know, you still think you have to think like you're working for someone. So that was kind of the motivation. And I thought it was going to be a slow process. So I let them know I was looking right away, the, the owners there. But then I ended up finding this place that I'm in right now, like immediately. It was the first and only place I looked at. I walked in and I'm like, yeah, this is exactly what I'm looking for. It just, it's crazy the amount of things that have just like worked out like that for me. And I, I try not to take it for granted because it seems crazy, but yeah, it just worked out great. Um, so I was like, all right, we're doing this. And then January, I started the new year off here. So newborn, new <laughs> business. Jeez. Whole new me. <laughs> A whole new me. New year, new me, right? Yeah, I love that. Now, what would you say kind of getting into, because I think this is so important to talk about, what are, I guess, best practices for clients whether it's their first tattoo, because I feel like this needs to be talked about as far as tipping goes, as far as, of course, not being an asshole. But <laughs> what are some things since you're a now seasoned tattoo artist that you wish everyone knew kind of has etiquette? What's the best etiquette when getting a tattoo, whether it's your first time or 10th time? Um, the biggest thing is doing your research. People are very good about this now, especially. So I, I don't have too many complaints, honestly. But um, if you're going in to get your first tattoo, you don't even know what you want, what you want it to look like. Before you do anything, look at artists. Because nowadays, like everyone, not everyone, but most people, their Instagram profile shows their style, what they want to do. And it's kind of like a curated sort of portfolio of like what they're best at. So I think if you look around and find someone whose style that you connect with first, I think that's important. Or if it matches up with you already have an idea, but you don't know exactly what style you want to go for. I think sometimes it's a matter for people of like seeing something who don't have that artistic brain to like put it together in their head. Um, but as soon as you see something you like, you're like, that's it. That's the person I want to get tattooed by. Don't assume that every artist can do everything because it's, it's not always the case. <laughs> Tipping, uh, people generally tip like the way you would any service at like, I don't know, 25% or something. I don't want to say like, sound like an asshole. No, I don't, I no, don't no. Know. Like, be, I, I think like any service, like you normally would. <laughs> well, and I think it's important to talk about how many costs you have because a lot of people, whether you're a hairstylist or you're a tattoo artist or if you have your own studio, People think, and this is not a generalization, but people think, well, it's all your profit. You don't have to go into pricing, but talk about some of the costs and the overhead you have that people don't realize. Yeah, there's supplies every day. The, obviously, the place, the rent, the 
utilities, internet, all of that stuff, but then also your supplies. You go through so many gloves and so many paper towels and gloves are like double the price that they used to be now. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. But I think the biggest misconception too that people don't realize is when you're canceling your appointment, that artist isn't making any money. And if you cancel last minute, like it's often hard for them to find someone to get in. So yeah, that really sucks. And I see that across the board, like people making posts like, hey, you see you guys to realize that if you're canceling on me last minute, I don't make any money. You know, sometimes I, we keep a deposit. I keep a $200 deposit, but that's not the price of what I would be making in that full day. So that's really unfortunate. I think people just don't think about that. So if you're going to cancel or reschedule, that's fine as long as you give the notice. And I understand things come up too, but that's one of the most frustrating things. Right. It's not like you can do it virtually. You kind of have to be in person to do this, yep. right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And that's a lot. I mean, I know when uh, we went, what was it? When my boyfriend, we just went for his birthday and it was three hours and I can't imagine. I mean, it was a quarter of the day gone if we were to cancel. And it's it's just crazy how that sometimes happens. But yes. Now, what is your style and what is your absolute favorite I don't want to say favorite thing to tattoo, but <laughs> favorite style to tattoo, or I guess I will say favorite thing to tattoo. Um, my style is considered neo-traditional in the tattoo world, but nowadays neo-traditional is basically anything that has a black outline can be fall under that category. But now there's like so many different versions of it. So that's why I say illustrative more than anything. I only do color for the most part. I very rarely do black and gray. I'll only do it if someone's got like a dark skin tone and it's it's better to do that. Or if I'm doing a realism portrait, I just find that I just don't have enough experience with the black and gray to really like bring my style to it. So I just, just do what I'm good at. Like I said before, you know, (laughs) and I'll think I'm great at it. I'm probably just not going to do it. So what was the other part of the question? Your favorite thing to tattoo. Oh, my favorite thing to tattoo. My favorite thing to tattoo is number one, always faces. And it has been my entire life. Like I only wanted to draw faces. There's just, something so cool about the human face that you can distort it you can do anything with it but whoever's viewing it will always find a connection because we're human and everyone has their own like individual connection with it so i really like that with the eyes bringing it to life faces are great <laughs> now your least favorite thing to tattoo oh <laughs> lots of things <laughs> i've got my list of like i won't do these things um i would say like now i'm pretty open that i don't do animal portraits, pop culture stuff I usually don't do unless it's like something I really connect with or underwater theme stuff, usually not a go-to for me. And then certain parts of the body too that I, it's not that I don't do them, but you know, they're not as enjoyable as others. <laughs> I love it. It's so funny. I feel people that don't have tattoos or it's just like, oh my gosh, did that hurt so bad? Like, yes, tattoos do hurt, of course. But I don't know why this always seems to be an argument, but in our friend group, some friends are tattooed head to toe. Some of us, like me, only have a few sprinkled out. But what would you say are arguably the most painful spots and least painful? So this is a general statement because you'll get that one person who's like, that didn't hurt at all. Yeah, I would say anywhere that like normally doesn't get exposed to the elements, your skin is more sensitive. So that's like your torso, obviously, the inner thighs, inner arms. Um, back of your thigh, those generally are going to be like the more painful areas. The outer arm, easy, a breeze. Anyone can do that all day long. That's the easiest spot if you want to go for your first big tattoo. 
but usually like arms and legs aren't too bad except for like a few select spots like inside of the elbow ditch or inside of the arm but you would think certain things like the back of your calf or your butt where it's super meaty would be easy but it's not like I don't have my butt tattooed but I've heard it's like the worst I've got one that gets close really? to my butt and it was horrible yeah you would think it wouldn't be bad right yeah. but yeah sometimes it's like the opposite of what you think yeah I would think that's so funny because that's usually my justification I mean I have my thigh and I was like no my thigh was fine all day because I have little thicker thighs there but that's so funny and so interesting and I think people are different too I mean yeah definitely you you get the odd person that's just completely opposite of everyone else <laughs> yes like I remember when I got my first one my friend and I went together we didn't get the same thing but we got in the same spot she got something I got something that was meaningful to our own things but she like cried I mean it hurt ribs hurt that's for sure but yeah she like sobbed the whole time and I'm like I'm good I'm just like pulling out my hair it's fine but I think like obviously pain tolerances are definitely a thing there but it's really it's about the mindset I think you have going into it because yeah people have different pain tolerances yes but like no one's died from not that I know of from getting a tattoo. <laughs> like it's it's not that bad. And it's going to be easier for you to get through it if you can just relax and breathe because it's going to be quicker. Your artist is struggling and it's going to turn out nicer too. And you know, it's funny too that I say, um, so like I said, there's like a different pain threshold for everyone. But on that scale between males and females, they handle it totally differently. Like if a man that is in a ton of pain versus a female that's in a ton of pain, the female can tolerate it a lot better. Like she might tell me she's having a hard time, but she can sit through it way better. <laughs> like the, you would think the big, like tough guys, you know, those are the biggest babies getting tattoos. <laughs> those are my favorite like TikToks or reels to watch is like this big, like scary looking dude, like screaming in the shop. Yeah. It's like, bro. And there's this like tiny little tattoo. <laughs> Or the girl that's like, you know, I, I love watching. Uh, I used to watch Ink Master back in the day, but it's like this tiny, tiny human of a female that's just like it's the most hardcore tattoo and doesn't even sweat. And then this big burly man that's just like sweating and sobbing. And yeah, it's, it's so funny to me, but <laughs> that's awesome. Now, I know this is still brand new, of course. Well, not brand new. You're almost at two years. But where do you envision your shop going and what do you have anything exciting coming up that you want to talk about or what's kind of going on inside your shop? I don't have any big plans or anything next. I, I don't really know. I'm actually trying this new thing with this where I just like sit in it and enjoy it because I've always, at least since I started my career, I'm like on the next thing already. And I found that when you're thinking ahead like that, you completely miss everything that's going on. So I'm just trying to enjoy this and I feel like whatever's next will happen. Like that's also happened along the way with my career too, where I think, okay, I'm like, you know, making as much money as I can right now. Like I'm, this is how I'm going to be forever. I'm good with this. And then another opportunity comes along and I move on to the next level or whatever. So I feel like when it's time, something will happen. But for now, like I've got the one-year-old and I also have another baby on the way. So congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. Things are, uh, that's very different trying to have these two things so important in my life where like before it was just tattooing and it's hard to balance the two and stay motivated with tattooing while there's like all this going on at home. So I don't know. I'm trying right now to just focus day to day on like being motivated and still coming up with drawings um, while I've got all that going on at home. So <laughs> just casual, just, you know, it's fine. Everything will work out. 
Yeah. That's badass. Whew. I'm tired for you, but you're amazing. I've just always been like that. I just like don't worry that much. My boyfriend might tell you differently. He might say I worry all the time, but I feel like I'm like, whatever, it'll work out. Things always work out. <laughs> and they do always work out. I mean, especially. Yeah. So, I hey, I admire it. As an anxious girly over here, I admire <laughs> yeah. you. Because I'm like, yeah, I, I do believe it will work out, but doesn't mean I don't stress myself out till, you know. Oh, yeah. Like, in the moment, you may think it's the end of the world for sure. <laughs> but it does right. work. And you're out. like, no, no, it's fine. I handled it. It's all cool. <laughs> if someone wants to work with you, are you booked up for the next few months? Or what's your schedule? I know, obviously, I have to reach out, email, Instagram, whatever that looks like. But how does your schedule typically work or how do you do like intake for new clients? I have a very specific booking process that works very well for me and I've been doing it for a few years. I book quarterly. So one day, four times a year, I will either take new appointments or send out my email to, I have a mailing list and let everyone know I'm unable to take anything new. So periodically when I have time, I will post drawings on my Instagram and on my website that are available to be purchased. And so those are the first ones that get booked in. And a lot of times they end up booking up that whole quarter. Wow. Sometimes I'll intentionally leave a little bit of time open for new clients because I know there's a lot of people waiting. So every once in a while I try to do that. Yeah. So if you go to my website, melissale.com, you sign up for the mailing list. That's the only way to get updated about when I am taking new bookings. I don't post that on Instagram. So I would say a little uh, insider tip if you want to get tattooed by me and you're having a hard time getting in with your custom idea, but you're also open to maybe something else. If you get in with one of those pre-drawn designs, I probably more likely to book you later. Um, just because I think it's nice knowing the person that comes in to you. I'm here by myself a lot of times. So yeah, I kind of like prioritize existing clients, but not always. I mean, if it's a really awesome idea, I'm, it's not like I'm not going to take it just because I don't know the person. And every once in a while, I will take on some new clients, but that's how I do it. It's uh, a very, very specific way. Hey, that works out because scheduling takes up so much freaking time. I mean, I know what it's like for our business, let alone, I mean, specific blocking. And you are booking hours at a time for bigger pieces, obviously. But no, that's awesome. And it's four times a year more stressful. So I get it. I see where less stress. Maybe I need to do that because that's really smart. Yeah, just one day, four times. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Now, as we wrap this up, what advice do you have for listeners? Um, that That's a tough one. It's a loaded question. I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> um, when I think of advice for other people, I guess I'm just going to try to relate it to like how I ended up where I'm at. I'm super happy where I'm at now. I can't imagine any differently. I feel like I'm living the dream every day. And I always say like, oh, I'm, I'm so lucky to have this. But then I have to stop myself. I'm like, no, it's not that I'm lucky. It's that I worked really hard to get here. Um, and I did the steps needed in order to do it. And I didn't have to overcome anything too crazy. Like I always worked with really great people. So I was fortunate in that way and people that helped me along. But I mean, if you want something... You got to figure out what are the steps in order to get there and do them. Like there's no sense in, I mean, you're going to get down on yourself just because that's how it is. But like, if you want to get there, you can't really just give up and say it's not working out. You you just, you got to keep trying and eventually you'll get there. I don't know if that's great advice um, or not, but. No, it is because you will always get down on yourself. And that's what I tell people every day. It's like, 
I talked to an entry-level kid in high school or college to a C-suite executive or badass business owners like you, and everyone has the same worries, the same stresses, and it's we're all faking it till we make it as far as the confidence goes. But no, that is great advice. Yeah. You can't just say, well, for example, be a tattoo artist. You can't be like, I want to be a tattoo artist. I'm going to do it and say you've tried everything and it's not working out for you. It's not just the end goal. It's the whole process of getting there. So you have to figure out what are the steps involved in like getting to where you want to be. And you've got to go through each of those. You can't just think about the end, you know, kind of like a little bit at a time. And continuous learning and understanding for you, like what you like to tattoo and what you don't like to tattoo or what's ideal clients or not so ideal clients. Yeah, that stuff's going to change. It's not all sunshine and rainbows. Yeah. Right. (laughs) No, no, it's not. It's a lot of work. (laughs) It is. Melise, thank you so much for being a guest. This has been lots of fun. For those of you listening, if you want to have Melise tattoo you, head to her website, head to the show notes and get on her email list and tune in again next week for another episode of That's Business. If you're looking for a career change and you're not sure where to start, the Resume Rescue can help. Sure, there's no such thing as the perfect fit for everyone, but here at the Resume Rescue, we're on a mission to find the perfect solution for you. Whether it's changing careers, updating a resume, learning LinkedIn, or practicing interviewing, we have you covered. Find us online at theresumerescue.com and find all of our contact info in our show notes.